When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Chelsea Podcast, my name's Phil Daniels and I've got uh, Gary Hayes, um, he's been on it before, he's a bit of a journalist type bloke and he's very good, and um, Kerry uh, Levy. Oh, hello Phil. Hello mate, how are you? I'm alright actually, I'm alright. Because we won a match. We've won a match, it's, I'm going to say it as usual, that's it, we've turned the corner, it's all plain sailing now Listen, isn't it? Listen, you phoned me up on <laughs> Sunday... Huh? And, oh, we're going to play Crystal Press. Oh, they're going to do us. It was the worst depressed I'd ever heard you before a game of football ever. It's good, isn't it? You see, the way <laughs> I fooled you into thinking, and you said, oh, well, I'll be able to watch the first half. Don't know how that'll go, but let's just see. Oh, no. It was great. We were so <laughs> depressed. I mean, we'll come, we'll come to Palace. But that's sort of a culmination of this whole Christmas festive period. Um, you know, I, I suppose... Because the last time we were in, we, were, you know, it had happened, and we were starting to move on, and we were sort of in transit to Goose and uh, waiting for that to all happen, and it, we were in the, you know, the hands of Holland and, and Eddie, and um, then Christmas came to pass, and we received the gift of Hiddink. The ghost of Christmas past. The ghost of Christmas past. And, and future and present. And present, that's it. It's Gus, he's always there for us at Christmas. He is like Santa, isn't he? Well, I'd give, give him a beard with those gold-rimmed glasses gone, he would be Santa, Super he? nice. Mm. That's what I say. 
<laughs> Got two U's in his name as well, hasn't he? Uh, that's a mistake. Is that a mistake? <laughs> it must be a mistake. <laughs> you sound like be. a bit like Sean Connery meets a Dutchman. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Meets a dustman. <laughs> meets a dustman. John Connery meets Mr. a dustman. dustman. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, it was it was an interesting sort of setup for for Gus walking in. You know, you kind of felt that Sunderland game had happened. We won that. It was convincing. But then we started seeing the next week just how bad Sunderland were, and then Gus took over. And the first game, of course, was Watford. And um, it was it was an interesting shape of things to come. I mean, how did, were you surprised that it really didn't vary too much from what had gone on before, team wise? Well, I think now he's saying that he's um, he's still assessing the squad, isn't he? So I think you you know can expect to see that four two three one formation. Obviously, um, he's brought McKellen. That seems to be working. But um, yeah, I think you know when you come in mid season like he has, you can't expect to make too many changes immediately. You know, it's, it's more, he's coming more focused on the players, trying to get them happy again, trying to get them feeling good about playing. And then, you know, maybe in a few weeks we'll see him stamp his own authority on the team in terms of the way they're going to set up. But I think he's done the wise thing by keeping it as it was. Um, you know, he's changed the personnel slightly. Some of it's been forced on him with Hazard's injuries. But um, I think overall, he's, you know, he's, he's done the right thing. I mean, it's sort of been an interesting three games because we've had Watford, United and Palace. I mean, we can sort of pick them apart one by one to an extent. But there seems to have been, because of the rapid amount of time that's gone through the three games, we have seen sort of an evolution of some of these players. Um, we've seen players coming to the fore that weren't before. You know, uh, you're making one of those faces, but I, is that about Oscar? Um, but, well, yeah, I mean, he has... Um gone with Oscar hasn't he and um, it's funny how he's a you know you know I've been a great critic of Oscar and you know fair dues to him if he does all right and he seems to be a better player when Hazard's wrenched off the pitch every time Um, I think he's a player that needs a bit of confidence and I think it gives him confidence when he's not there and I mean, he didn't. I don't want to talk about Palace. He didn't start very well against Palace. I mean, he passes to the wrong players all the time. Yeah. It was like he scored an own goal when he scored um, for Chelsea. But um, he got better as the game went on. And I think confidence is a good thing for him. I mean, he's not a bad player. No, he I just d- don't do it. Does he? When, when you see, it's interesting to say about Hazard because it's almost like he feels inferior to him. If Hazard's there, he lets Hazard, you know, be the player with the tricks, the player creating things. And like I say, Hazard goes off and he feels he can play a bit more. And when he plays more, he shows he's capable. But, yeah, it's just, like I say, the confidence. When he's not confident, you might as well not have him on the pitch. Yeah, he's got to be involved the whole time. And then you, look, then you can excuse the amount of time he loses the ball and passes to the wrong team because then he'll do good things. Well, he's just trying to do things. I mean, what I thought was interesting about the three games, I thought Watford, OK, we had some bad luck, we had some good luck, we had no luck. Um, you know, it was a game, it ended up as a draw, we could have won it. it. You know, it was kind of niggling and it was annoying sort of game. But then if we look at the overall thing, United for me was a bit of a disaster zone because you suddenly realised what Hiddink was trying to do was draw a focal point back into the team by having Costa down the middle. Now, for me, that moment of madness from Costa against Watford, 
okay, everyone says if you look at it closely, he slips a bit. But he shouldn't have been going in for that. I thought he was getting line. sent off and that happened. Well, I, th- I, think, I think he got a yellow because yeah, the ref yeah. saw that he'd slipped a bit. Well, I think... most pundits wanted him off, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, because yeah, it was that... Costa. But I think it was reckless to a point as well where a lot of the time they say that, you know, the player, is he in control? And he wasn't. No. So that he could have arguably well, been a red card. Exactly. You know, so we were kind of lucky there. But it messed us up at United because... The thing that drives me mad about Loic Remy is I'm always calling for him to get more time, to oh, get yeah. on there. And me. And as soon as he, there's an opportunity awaiting him, he's injured. Yeah. And he can't, it was like in the Champions League last year where Costa was out and he came in, scored a goal with that shot and immediately had to go off because yeah, he had a groin Maribor, strain. Him, wasn't it? Well, Liverpool so right, wouldn't Maribor. sign him, would they, because of... Um too much damage. Too much damage, and, it, and it's just... I think it's his heart. That, it was a heart issue, wasn't it, Liverpool and Simon? That's right, yeah. There was some, some defect, but I think that was almost used as a smokescreen for yeah. all the other injuries he gets. So it was a kind of a shame, you know. I mean, Watford, we saw signs of this team changing. We saw Costa, really, for the first time this season, playing as a striker, not moving, really, much out of the parameter of, of the penalty area, and going up and down the penalty spot line as well. And I, I thought... You could see Hiddink made a few little twists straight away. Now, why is it that he can do that and Mourinho couldn't get him to stop going out to the touchline to get the ball? I think that's maybe down to approach in terms of the way Hiddink's with the players. You know, um, he's already, which I was surprised about, given that he's come in on a short-term deal, how he was criticising Costa for you know, the way he gets involved in the, the other side of the game, as he calls it, and he's criticised him for it, you know, not over the top, but just you know, mention it, saying he doesn't want him to do it. And I think he's pulled him to one side and had a word of him, whereas I think Mourinho celebrated that part of him, wanted him going out there, wanted him causing problems and you know, harassing players. And I think he maybe you know, got involved a bit too much on that, where he was chasing defenders down in areas he shouldn't be. And, you know, whereas now Hiddink's got him focused on you know, doing what he should do, being a footballer rather than a, than a, 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 a gladiator in a, in a coliseum. You know? but, you know, and he, well, it's always pop- great when you see a, a, a centre-forward like him Getting whacked and then just getting up. It makes it, yeah. it, makes it so much more frustrating for the centre-half anyway. Yeah. But in the centre of the park, not yeah. out on the touchline. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I, I think as well what's interesting about it is that um, when, we played, when Chelsea played Palace uh, at the back end of August, uh, Costa had one of those erratic games and he made Delaney look good at centre-back. And then on Sunday, just running ragged the whole game. Apart from played. that one tackle Delaney made, which made up... Bit, I remember listening to the commentators, well, that makes up for conceding the first goal. And you go, well, not really. Well, how yeah. does that work? <laughs> but yeah, and, and he, he just played him off the park. And he, yeah, he, you know, he just, that was a complete striker's performance, you know, even with the goal. And I think it, that just shows the contrast, the fact that it's a team that we played already this season. And you see the way that Costa played in that first game. You know, Delaney isn't a Premier League defender. You know, it might be overcritical on my part, but he's not. You be overcritical if you want. That's yeah. why you're on here. But I just think that you know. But he should have had a good day, shouldn't he? Really, if he's not that good a defender in a sodden pitch. Yeah, on a and, rainy you know, day. Just, just lead, leading up to the game, I was um, I was chatting to Rick. You know, Rick Glanville, um, head of the game in the in the press box, and we were a bit concerned because he had upset written all over it. He was chucking it down with rain. You at Selhurst Park. You know, we saw Mikel and Fabregas in the middle. We thought it was going to be a, this soft underbelly. They're going to be flying at us. But actually, turned the other way around because well, actually, players like Costa applied themselves. But it was an upset 
We beat them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know, look here like that. You know, if you look at the table and things and, and where everyone is and the performances, okay, they had a few people out. But I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is this Watford United Palace, we can take the three as sort of like one situation. And we've seen an evolution. I think Hiddink must have been absolutely gutted when he went to United without a striker because you actually saw how toothless we are without a main focus. One person standing in the line. If there's one thing Hiddink has done, it's made Costa back into a leader of our attacking unit. And at United, you saw all the flaws of the other players. If they don't have someone to play it to or play it off, they don't know what to do because they can play lovely, pretty football, but it's a lot of effort which never gets them anywhere. And I I think United is is a real shame for that one minute. And let's face it, he only had to survive that game and he was on to, you know, uh, get up to 10 bookings, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, that's the right. United one. Then yeah. he wouldn't have any suspension. I, I just think, though, looking at those, those Watford United games, that they were just, you know, symbolic of as to why Chelsea are in the position that they're in this season. You know, Watford, the, the handball from Matic and the penalty miss from Oscar gave Watford a point. You know, really, Chelsea should have won that game. And then you go up to Old Trafford and you haven't got a striker because of the poor business they did in the summer. You know, Falcao was always going to be a risk injured you know, for much of the season anyway you know, Remy's injured they've gone into the season with three injury prone strikers and a striker on top of that that's getting suspended a lot and that United game just showed it no, no fit strikers and no you know, strikers available through suspension so, and none of them could play up, none of them midgets yeah no exactly and I think you know, no. just those two games in isolation if you looked at them you could see why Chelsea are in the position they're in because it was those sort of problems that have got Chelsea to be 14th anyway and you know, really, we should have United been there for the taking. You know, they hadn't, they hadn't won in seven games. Yeah. And Matic getting in that position and putting the ball over the bar, if that was Costa, that, that was a goal. If that, if was, that had been Mikel. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe Mikel. You know, but, you know, <laughs> if, if it was a, the a net player, would have burst. Yeah. No, exactly. You know, <laughs> and you, you just saw it, it, it was crying out for you know, Chelsea to go there and take it to him because United were on the ropes, as it were. You know, now, uh, on the back of that, that's helped them turn their season around. You know, they they end up getting a win against Swansea at the weekend on the back of playing Chelsea. You know, and that's the frustrating thing about it is that teams that are struggling, they play Chelsea and they're, they're too charitable, they give too much away. Because if, they'd have been, if we'd have done them and then Swansea had got something, he'd have gone, that manager, yeah, yeah. I reckon. Well, well, that's interesting. If he'd have gone, what, what are your feelings about Mourinho, supposedly, now that we've seen that our much-beloved old manager, Rafa, has left the building in Poor Madrid. Sod. No one likes right. him, do they? Have you seen? There was a <laughs> compilation I saw somewhere of all the sort of when they announced the team, and they also announced the manager in the Spanish games. The booing before games—it's extraordinary. I mean, in a kind of way, just for a moment, I almost felt sorry for him, and then I kind of shrugged it off. Well, and were had you, a bit of a I mean, giggle, he was but... never liked at Chelsea, was he? he no, was he hated because of those comments yeah. he made about. What Chelsea. I thought was interesting is that his wife said when they went there, she goes, "Oh, we're back to sort out Mourinho's mess in Madrid." Oh, I don't know what that mess was, but yeah. Well, it's his usual shenanigans, and they really dislike each other. But, I mean, he's, he's always maintained that was the one job he wanted in football, was to go back to Real Madrid and become their manager and lead them to great glory. Yeah. Well, it's been seven months of dire football with some of the most talented footballers in the world. Didn't they win 10-2? Yeah, that was against nine men, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. nine men. And you're apparently you're not meant to. You're meant to sort of play tiki tacky and not stick it in the net after six goals in Spain or something. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They were very upset. The other team. 
Oh, oh, poor other team. Oh, that's just not very friendly. Is it? Football without goals, someone yeah. once called it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, so, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, now we've got Zidane who's turned up there and, you know, everyone's dredging out that interview from earlier in the year about how much he loves Hazard. This is not what he said yesterday. Most of the papers are trying to report yeah, it. Well, he needs Hazard like he needs hole in the head, doesn't he? With all the forwards. I mean, with Bale, you know, Rodriguez, Isco. Mm. Um, get yeah. another one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Have another little flair. If he wants to spend eighty million on Hazard, I think Chelsea should take it. You'd, t- you'd sell him, would yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. You know, look t- at him this season; he just doesn't look interested. And Chelsea were better against Palace when Hazard came off. I think Pedro playing out. On the, what, what Chelsea need is they need wingers, and they haven't. They've got Pedro, and that's it. Willian isn't really a winger, but watching Pedro the way he got, you know, um, I think it was Joel Ward who was up against on the left. Yeah. You know, he, he was giving Chelsea so much width that allowed Fabregas to play one of his better performances. You know, people were pointing to what Mikel did, but then I think having that width was, you know, the fullbacks weren't able to come in as much and Fabregas getting on the ball more, playing football, Chelsea looked so much better for it. I think if Chelsea played with wingers, they wouldn't have to go through the middle so much and it would change the way this team plays. And I think that Hazard's not willing to play that role and I don't think he's good enough to be a number 10 though. I, I think it's interesting. I think he may be good enough to play as a number 10, but I'm not sure he has the personality to demand the ball in the way but that, that I think that's he needs That's what I'm saying. To. I think, yeah. you know, as, as a complete package, I think, you know, as a player, individually, he's exceptional. Amazing player. But he says it himself, he hasn't got the hunger to score the goals that Messi and Ronaldo scores. And he and hasn't got the arrogance, I think. That exactly. Sort of and ego. You need that. And, you know, it's, it's all well and good doing it, you know, just turning up on have fun. But then when you're in Champions League semi-finals and, you know, going for titles, you need players that have got the... You know, the, the desire to go out and win games single-handedly, and I don't, I don't think Hazard has, and you know, he, he picks up a little knock and he's off. You know, I wasn't surprised on Sunday, I know they're saying he's going to be out for two weeks now, but I wasn't surprised for a second that the one player that got injured in the rain and the mud was Hazard, coming off after ten minutes or so, and the way he trudged off, he just looked like he couldn't be bothered. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I'm, I'm, I a kind of, I'm a kind of... I, I do like Hazard, and I think, you know, he's entitled to be a bit <coughs> crap, because um, he was so good. But it can't go on forever. And maybe he does need a proper rest and get some of these injuries cleared up because it looks like he's... He's either, like you say, he's either not bothered and wants to get away and can't be arsed with Chelsea or he's he's suffering uh, um, with injuries and doesn't quite know what to do. I just think that... Stephen Gerrard made a point about Daniel Sturridge. He said um, he's a player that if he's 90%, he doesn't really want to play and he's not great. And Chelsea had that issue with Robin. You know, yeah. a few years well I say a few years ago what a decade ago now where you know, he, he didn't want to play against Liverpool in a Champions League semi-final because he felt a little niggle and I think that's, that's what Hazard's like if he's not 100% he doesn't want to go out and you know, pl- play, play football and play, you know, play the way that he should be playing and I think that mentally he hasn't got the capacity to do it whereas I think you look at the best best players in the world which Chelsea want and need you know, Ronaldo, Messi you know, even, even someone like Bale you know, that they're willing to take the ball, to, you know, regardless of whether they're fit, and they they go out and they're committed, and you know that they, they play for a bit of pain. Whereas I think Hazard's a bit, yeah, but a bit, Bale a bit was, of wimp. Bale was crap for, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, because he he was he he he, he was carrying um, a bit of an injury <coughs> when he went to Real Madrid. So, I mean, I do know what you're saying, and you know that's the point of view, and that's fair. So enough. I think you know you look at the the great players Chelsea have had just in the last ten years, Drogba playing with injuries, Lampard playing with injuries. You know, and these are the players that are the real match winners for Chelsea and Hazard was meant to be the new generation. He was meant to be leading. Yeah, that. but he's only done... He's I not. mean, it's only this season, really. He's, last season, he was... Um, I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah. And he was good I think he was, but then... 
at the same time is that because every this is why I'm more impressed with William this year than I was with Hazard last year is that William's doing it when the team's rubbish whereas Hazard I think he's one of these fair weather players that when everything's good he's amazing when the chips are down and you're struggling down the bot- wrong end of the table and you need results I think he disappears and yeah. it's interesting I, I personally think Hazard and, and a lot of the players were brought back to training late I think he started off not fit and you know what it's like with players if they're not fit at the beginning of the season it's really hard to find your fitness right and I think I think we're seeing him frustrated with the situation as much as anything. Maybe we'll be proved wrong and maybe he'll just, as soon as Real Madrid come in, because as sure as hell they will, I think, you know, we'll find out what, what he's made of. Because it's not as though he's being underpaid at Chelsea. He's getting 200 grand a week, you know. Yeah, I think he's the highest paid player, isn't he? Yeah, he is now. So he, he's doing okay. So we'll see how, it'll be very interesting if we We'll don't... have to swap him if, oh, I won't have it. I'm not just selling. Well, you them. tell him. Phone up. I'll have one of their Florentino or someone. <laughs> I wouldn't take Isco. I'd take Bale off him. Well, yeah, I don't think I'd love Bale, but uh, well, apparently he's. Ri- yeah, would you love Bale though? Because well, he's, he's a really... left back and a left winger at the same time. But that's and what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so, someone to sit out on the left there, and he can no. cut inside, but he can give that whip. No, you know, my, he's my a point was Chelsea would sell he's apparently Chelsea. the person at Real Madrid who's the most upset about Benitez leaving. That shows a definite flaw in his character. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, yeah, of course I'd love Bale, but, you know... He liked Bale's work right, didn't he? You see? Maybe Benitez. it's the way that Benitez... See, he liked that. But... Yeah. Maybe it's the way that Benitez took his order when he was uh, having dinner and, and everything else. <laughs> it could well be. I don't know how things work over there on that front, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, OK, the other thought is, you know, everyone's banding around Mourinho might go to Madrid... He hasn't, which means he's biding his time, as everyone keeps saying, for United. How would that make you feel as Chelsea fans? You know, often when players or managers go and they go abroad, I don't care. You know, I I kind of cared about Czech going to Arsenal. I really don't like it, especially that he's probably going to be there for another seven or eight years. Um, But I can cope with it. How would you feel about Mourinho coming to Stamford Bridge with Man United and being on the touchline, being Mourinho. It was, it was okay when he was at Inter Milan, when we saw him beat us, didn't care, it was abroad. They were jammy. Yeah, they were jammy, but they were Mourinho jammy, weren't they? And, but how would you feel if you saw Mourinho in the Manchester United, Manchester United dugout against us? Would you it sounded hurt? like Garth Crooks then. <laughs> oh, good, I'll try that. Well, you did it twice and then We're... three times. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be good just for effect, you see, so you could really picture it. How would you feel? Me, personally. Yeah, personally. I couldn't care. I, I um, you know me and Mourinho, I sort of, I weren't all that fussed on getting him back anyway, but I think he's a good manager and he wins us the league. I just think, He's probably, I'm not going to write him off, but he's lost it a bit, you know, to me. And if he wants to go to Man United, let him go to Man United, you know, and manage them. If they can make him great again, all power to him and Man United, and it'll be a better league for it. Ooh. I'd have Welcome to answer. to the Man United <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'd have to answer on two levels. I think professionally, I'd love it. I think because it brings a subplots of, yeah. you know, all from your journalism. Yeah, yeah, keep sure. Forgetting about that side, but yeah, you know, I think you know you like the subplot of you know managers going back to old clubs or you know ex players going back there and you know ev- you know everything that follows it and it, it'd be really interesting to see the reception he got at um, 
at Chelsea and then, you know, seeing Man United fans, you know, you know, rubbing it in on Chelsea fans that they've got the manager that Chelsea want, etc., etc. But then on a personal level, I've given it a lot of thought and it'd be kind of like the love of my life stepping out with one of my worst enemies. You know, because... Any names? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's, I, I think Marina's amazing. You know, everything about what this Chelsea is now is what Mourinho embodies and I think Chelsea have lost something by allowing him to go and um, I just think you know managers like him don't come along often and you know you just look at the when we won the title last season we went to to West Brom and the, the fans sang all game sorry <coughs> and um yeah, they, they, they sang well enough here about Mourinho, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, Very teary. You're welcome. <laughs> but, but the fans sang all game, you know, we're top of the league and everything else. It was this amazing atmosphere at the Hawthorns, and that's all you could hear. And at the end of the game, he went over and he really appreciated it. And he was, he was stood on the pitch for ages saying, you know, we've won it. He had his finger up saying, you know, we're number one and everything else. And it just reminded me of when we'd lost a title in 2007 and we drew by drawing against Arsenal at the Emirates. And he came up doing the chin-up. You know, to the fans as well, and I think that relationship with between manager and fans is like, you know, he, he bridges the gap between the club and the fans, and he's got that passion for it. And I think Chelsea are missing something by not being there because, you know, I think Gus Hiddink is equally, you know, just as great a manager as Mourinho, but he's too much of a gentleman. You know, he, he's too distant from it all. And you know, I think anyone else we've had in the Abramovich era, you know, be, you know, be, before that, regardless, but you know, in the Abramovich era, hasn't really bridged that gap between club and supporter and. I think that's something that's you know unique in football, and I think Chelsea yeah. need that. But I, I would say, though, you know, I know what you're saying, but I'd say that some of the managers have done something and and um, brought something to the fans and the clubs. I think Hiddink did it in a way. I love the way Hiddink's been talking since he's come back. It's very matter of fact, but he's also got a passion. You know, he says, "Look, there's something that w- that I took away from this club last time that has stayed with me. It's a love for this club." And I, you know, once people start using the word love you feel a bit special about them and and i'd also say ancelotti did something i think with the fans i'll never forget him singing on the bus the day we won the title singing all those songs absolutely (laughs) dreadfully and you thought yeah okay you're getting into it and i i I actually think he got a bit of a tough deal as well but you know um i know what you're saying there is only one Mourinho. How would I feel if I saw him walking out for United? I don't think I would like it very much. I suppose it would depend on what happened in the game and the result. Then I'll, t- I'll tell you after 90 minutes against I'd them. like to beat him. Yeah, I'd like to stuff it right yeah, up. It's, it's like when... Um, with flair football. When, when Lampard came back with City, you know, that, that was another moment that, as a journalist, was a, you know, great. You've got this guy coming back and he's getting his, his goodbye at Stamford Bridge, but, although not in the circumstances you'd like. But I just think as a, as a fan, not, not that... You know, I don't agree with fans that have been on Lampard's back about going to City and no, everything. You know, nonsense. He we made a professional decision. On. We could have kept yeah, him on. We the, didn't. The offer moment him a Chelsea contract. let him go, that was it. You know, yeah. he, he was free to do what he wanted, and exactly. you know, fair play to him. You know, and it hasn't changed my opinion of him one, you know, one iota. But just seeing him in that different shade of blue, just as a fan that day, just I, I just didn't like it. Yeah. You know, no, I, I didn't. I think it's completely it, it's wrong. It's like you know, it, it didn't look right. And I think Mourinho sat in his, you know, Manchester United suit. He just wouldn't feel right. But, you know, good luck to him. If he goes there, it's, Chelsea, it's Chelsea's loss. It, you know, he shouldn't be having to pick a club based on who they're rivals with with Chelsea and, you know, everything yeah. else with it. He should be picking a club that's right for him. And if United yeah. is, then, you know, good luck to him. I don't think United will pick him personally. I think he doesn't fit. I think it'd be very... I think they'll go for him. Well, I think they realise they made a mistake 
in not trying to go for him a couple of years ago because look where it's gotten. Whereas if they'd gone, if they'd gone for him two years ago, they would have won the league again between now and back then when you know when Fergie left because he's the sort of personality to run that club. Even if it is only for two or three years, they need someone to come in that's got that that attitude and swagger to carry it. Whereas Moyes hasn't. We thought Van Gaal would, but he's become a bit of a circus. Whereas I think Mourinho's got the the arrogance to you know, to make it work. You know, he, he wants to be Fergie, doesn't he? he always yeah, talks there wouldn't be his... any moaning about not getting fish and chips on a Friday with Mourinho, would there? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even eat fish and chips, does he? <laughs> well, it might do. It'd have to be a nice, nice yeah. bit of fillet, I reckon. But so uh, it, it's interesting because it'd be sardines, won't it? Be sardines, yes, it will be. Mm. Oh, I'm starting to feel a bit hungry. But um, so I, I think um, the whole manager thing sets itself up nicely because. Gus hasn't said, look, I am the interim manager, I'll leave at the end of the season. He's been far more open this time, whereas last time he had to go at the end of the season, that was it, he had the contract with Russia or whatever it was. Um, This time he says, we'll see how it goes, you know, it could be. Can you see him staying on next year or can you see can you see Guardiola coming or are we heading into the same troublesome waters as Mourinho? I think it matters. What... what I don't know enough about how much Abramovich knows about football. How much Emiliola, um, whatever his name is, Emanalo, different every time. How much he <coughs> has an influence on all these things? How much they just want big names um, or give you know people a chance? I See, don't know. The problem with Chelsea is that with their managerial appointments that they go for flavour of the month, don't they? Yeah. You know, even, even when they appointed Mourinho you know, in 2004, they were going for flavour of the month. He just won the Champions League and he was the manager of the time. And then, you know, similar thing with Scolari a little bit, you know, of what he'd done with Brazil. And then obviously Ancelotti worked, even though he, you know, he was popular. And then, you know, uh, what AVB had done with Porto. Again, he was like the, the next big thing, the flavour of the month. And Chelsea seemed to go for that, you know, glamorous signing. And I wouldn't put it past them to go for Guardiola or Simeone, but I don't think either of them would work. I think Guardiola, you end up in a problem short-termism there. Look at Guardiola. Uh, He's like Mourinho. He doesn't like staying anywhere for very long. I, I think the bigger issue, though, is that the football that Guardiola wants to play, Chelsea haven't got the players to play it. So and I don't think they, it they want to go country. out and spend two, three hundred million pounds on, on new players you know, to, to suit Guardiola, or do they want to get a manager in this yeah, kind I don't of work? I think Zuma players? would get in a team with uh, Guardiola, would he? No. Because it's a totally different system, and it'd be, you know, the... Uh, the square pegs, round holes. You know, they'd need a totally new defence, totally new midfield, and they wouldn't be able to play Costa. You know, because he, he does. I know he plays with Lewandowski the way he does at Bayern Munich, but Lewandowski's a bit more mobile than what Costa is, and it just wouldn't, he wouldn't be suited to Chelsea. Whereas I think you look at that City team; it's all geared towards Guardiola going there. You know, they saw, they signed Sterling and De Bruyne in the in the summer, who are Guardiola-style players. You know, and everything else is you know going into that. Uh, you know, feed, feeding into what Guardiola wants at a club, whereas Chelsea need a manager who's going to come in, want to play a bit of football, but be a bit grafting as well. You know, graft a bit more because which Simeone would do, but I think he's crazier than Jose. So yeah, you know, I mean, it, that's only going to end in tears. It, that'd just be a you know a train wreck waiting right to happen. So who would you pick? Well, I was chatting about it the other day and um, I got laughed at. But um, get ready, Phil. Paul Clement, I thought. Okay, well, I mean, that's, that's not... I know you're trying to snigger and laugh, but... I'm not, I'm not, the, because... The, the, the reason I, being is because he's a man who he understands Chelsea, he's got a brilliant reputation at the club, he's well-respected, and he came through from 
under-12s coach right up to the first-team coach. He's got a reputation of working with young players, and that's what Chelsea need, a manager to come in who's going to blood some more youngsters in amongst it while dealing with first-team players. And he did it at PSG with uh, you know, the likes of Ibrahimovic and you know, um, David Beckham at, for a little yeah. while. And then when he went to Madrid, he did it. I know he's working under Ancelotti, but he's well-respected by those guys. He knows how to deal, deal with the big egos. And I just think someone like him, I know it's total left, totally left-field, but... I just think someone like him to come in and make a name for himself at Chelsea, not have the pressure of instantly having to win something because he is a name, and you know someone who's going to put a bit of foundation at the club. But that's just me. No, I, I quite like Dream him. Dream or Abraham Grant, yeah, yeah, Abraham Grant. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> if they had someone like that, then they should, <coughs> you know, then Hiddick would stay, would he not? Um, as the Director of director football, of football director or something, football. yeah, may, maybe. But I just think that the club get needs rid a bit of, that of structure. Michael, whatever his yeah, name the, is. The, there's a structure. They'll never in place. get rid of Michael Emanale. Why don't they get rid of him? Because he, he's a nice fool guy, isn't he? <laughs> and he's best mates with Roman, isn't he? But I, I, I just think, though, on, on a serious note, talking about someone like Clement, if you had, you know, a, an elder statesman like Hiddink, he was just working behind the scenes, director of football, helping him out. Chelsea could put a structure in place that's going to serve the club for so much more than a three year a three-year period of a manager. And I think, you know, we've got so many good young players coming through that... I might... know, because that's been, you know, that's what Mourinho's not good at. Yeah, no, and that is the one criticism I have of Jose, you know, at, at Chelsea in this second spell. But I just think that you look at the likes of Loftus-Cheek, you know, even Bamford and, you know, uh, Lewis Baker, Solanke, Izzy Brown, you know, and then you look what they're doing in the Youth Cup this season, you know, they've got uh, Clark Salter at the back there as well. And they've got some really good players, you know, Tammy Abraham. My concern is with Chelsea is that they're going to allow these players to go and they're, they're all going to become Chelsea's Paul Pogba where, oh, we've got to sign him back for 60 million or, we, you know, it, what we did with Matic where we let him leave. He played, you know, two, two years at Benfica, was it? And then he's coming back and we signed him for £20 million more than we sold him for. And I think Chelsea got the nucleus of something that could be great, their own class of 92 a bit. And you think that the youth players are that good? I think they are. You know, no, I think you, it's you, interesting because you, you, you don't, you I don't, don't think they have been up until now. You, no, no, they haven't been, no. When, when no Clement, I, always, I watched them a few times last year or the year before and I kept thinking, not gosh, quite all there. This, all this, you know, uh, money they're spending and these yeah, guys Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it, started, it started five years ago when, when Brendan Rodgers was the manager and he... Uh, sort of, no, just five years. That, that, that was a bit longer than that. But then Brendan had bought through certain players and they got to a point where Clement came in and they won the, U- the, the FA Youth Cup and that sort of changed it. Even though that team wasn't the greatest, you know, they had um, Brumer and, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Kakuta, you know, th- these type of players that looked okay, but w- you could see they weren't going to be Chelsea quality. But now it's just, you know, the whole grade has gone higher. And, you know, you, you look at the type of player that Chelsea got there, you know, Solanke, you don't score 40 goals in youth team football and not be a good player. You know, Abraham's doing the same. And I just think that, if Chelsea looked in, looked inside at the club a bit more and actually, you know, were willing to write off another season. Not, I'm not saying do an Aston Villa and go gung ho and just blood all these youngsters together. But if you get a blend of those players, you know, just start bringing them in. I think they could. I think they could achieve something. We could do it this year. You could right do it. Well, the problem is they're all out on loan. So. Yeah. Well, most of them, from what I can see, most of them have clauses coming back now. But yeah, I, I, I just think that, that a youth team that wins the FA Youth Cup in one season and the UEFA Youth League. Is something special, and that's something to be get excited, getting excited about. And use because with the UEFA Youth League as well, that's um, under 19s football, so it's a year up from the FA Youth Cup. So some of these players now are getting to the age where they need first team football. And I just think that 
you know, he's Chelsea he's got a duty to give them a chance and I think that starts with the manager at their point well, it starts with the owner and I'm not sure how he feels about it but I think, I think it's an interesting point and I, you know as a fan you just want to see more of the youngsters come through um, I suppose we've got to take it back to what's happening in the present and, and start rounding up this show by just talking a little bit more about the Palace which as I've been saying it's sort of like one sort of work in progress <coughs> Watford, United and Palace and we've seen this evolution in three games to what was probably the most complete performance of the season against Palace and you know there were, there were certain things that just clicked about the Palace game okay you know Andy texted me telling me to stop getting so excited you know with, we'll see how this goes in the next few weeks but for me interestingly Matic is out in the cold at the moment Mikel is in now and he had a blinding game against Palace um should have got a red card as usual didn't um Fabregas was back on form pinging the ball around a lot more and Costa led the line now those three seem to do things that hadn't well Mikel we haven't seen much this season but Fabregas and Costa were far more and, and Oscar had a very good game it got better and better as you say but for me Costa really is the focal point and Fabregas finding a He's pass not Bosca as Andy sent me a text <laughs> Bosca. No. <laughs> he, he, he came up with that against Sunderland. He? Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> so, so, you know, is this the shape of things to come? Are we going to see Mikel in more than Matic? Is this the way we need to play? Are the players now actually suddenly committed? And why weren't they committed to playing like this before? I think Hiddink likes Mikel, doesn't he? So you yes. can expect to see, you know, we were talking about it before when he was here last time, wasn't he? He brought, he brought Mikel in then and was playing him a lot and... You know, just look at the fact that he was willing to, against Watford. He was willing to drop Fabregas at half time to bring Mikel on. Talks about this balance, and um, you know, when you've got a manager again, we we're talking about it before we came on. But when you talk about a manager that um, is describing Mikel as, uh, so I've got a quote here: "To, to watch a player def- defend so elegantly is a beautiful thing." When you're talking it is about a beautiful thing, <laughs> I, I think it's pushing it a bit for Mikel. But um, I think when when a manager's talking about a player, you know. In such glowing terms. Exactly. You know he's in. You know he's going to be playing. He's almost become the, the first name on the team sheet for Hiddink. But, you know, and I don't want to run away with it, but I think looking at that Chelsea performance, we talk about the full storms we've had this year, but it, it, it was different because when we beat Norwich, for instance, everyone's like, oh, they've turned the corner, they've won another game, but they did it so scrappy. You know, and when, when they beat Villa, they did it really scrappy, whereas this game was total control. Yeah, I think, uh, I think away, it helped us being away. A bit, I and it, I mean, no disrespect to Chelsea because I've seen the false dawns, but missing Kabai Balassi, um, not so much Conor Wickham, but maybe Conor Wickham it was a big difference. And I think it gave Fabregas a little bit more room of not having Kabai yeah. there, yeah. jumping on him, all jumping the time. all over, jumping all over him. And I think they played well, Chelsea, and especially in the rain. I thought, oh, they're not going to be bothered this yeah. afternoon, but they were. It's at home we've got a kind of. Yeah, I, I just think, though, that playing with such control and domination of that Palace team, now that's going to give them so much more confidence that they've, they're remembering they actually are good players. You know, because no matter how much criticism we throw at these guys, you know, Hiddings has been saying it since he came in, these are world-class players. They shouldn't be down in the bottom of the table where they are, but they've, they've had the confidence knocked out of them. They don't know how to deal with the fact they are down there. But winning the game, you know, is so... Uh, controlling and you know being commanding of, of the possession and you know the, the way they it wasn't so much the possession they had as well it was the way they 
you know, they, they played with well, they made, well, they, they, played they with, made Palace look like donkeys, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and we played with that intensity, which once, only happened three times, I think. Yeah, yeah for once, if Andy was here, he'd be talking about stats, and they'd be the right kind of stats, because they actually did something with the ball. <laughs> you know? Well, on that note, and I, we, we apologise that there is no stat man here this week, but it's his, uh, it's his wedding anniversary, so he's going off and being very nice and having a very nice dinner with Karen. So, have a nice anniversary. Don't forget, we'll be back for the the little mini podcast later this week. We'll be talking about transfer ideas, transfer news, and the upcoming game against the mighty Scunthorpe in the Cup. So, that's it, Phil. Is it? Yeah, it is. I just got here. Oh, sorry, I'll fill you in later. Thank you, Gary, for coming along. Lovely to see you. And listen out for the podcast later this week. This is a Playback Media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.